You're listening to the American Girl Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Maggie Lawson, the narrator of 10-Minute Mysteries. This season's story is based on one of our favorite American Girl mystery books, The Light in the Cellar, a Molly mystery by Sarah Bucky. Episode 4, Someone's Coming. That evening at supper, Molly could barely eat a bite. Why did I ever tell Mrs. Currier that I'd go into her spooky old house? Molly muttered to herself as she picked at her cheese and soybean casserole. Now that meat was rationed, soybeans were often on the menu instead. Molly's sister Jill said they weren't fit for human consumption, but her mother said soybeans had plenty of protein, and she served them whenever meat rations ran low. Maybe her mother wouldn't allow her to go to Greystone Manor, Molly thought hopefully. She decided to ask her mother about it, but she couldn't get a word in edgewise because Ricky was going on about his training to become a volunteer plane spotter. As soon as I pass the plane spotter test, I'll work two-hour shifts where I'll look at every plane that flies over Jefferson. It'll be my job to say whether it has one or two engines, how high it's flying, and what direction it's heading, Ricky announced proudly. Molly's little brother Brad, who was six, flew his toy airplane toward Ricky and swooped it over Ricky's plate. Zoom, zoom. Ricky looked at Brad's toy plane and said, That one there is a B-17 bomber. That's an American plane, so that would be okay. But if it was a German plane, I'd have to call in an alert. Then our guys would shoot it down before it dropped any bombs on us. Boom, yelled Brad, pretending to drop a bomb on his dinner plate. Kabang! Ricky laughed, but Emily looked startled, and Molly remembered that Emily had lived through real bombings in London. That's enough, Brad and Ricky, said Mrs. McIntyre. She stood up and began clearing the plates. It was Molly's turn to help wash the dishes, so she carried her plate to the sink. As she filled the sink with sudsy water, Molly asked, Mom? Did you ever find out where the missing sugar went? Well, two bags were given to another Red Cross chapter, and one bag was used to make refreshments for a blood donor drive. But I still don't know what's happened to the other four bags. And when we checked the other supplies, we discovered that we're also missing some coffee, cooking oil, and a few other things, too. Molly frowned, remembering what the chef at the hospital had said about sugar disappearing from his kitchen. She told her mother about it and asked, Don't you think it's strange that sugar is missing from both places? Well, even with the best of intentions, people can become careless. A Red Cross volunteer might have taken the sugar for good reason and simply forgot to record it, said Mrs. McIntyre. Molly frowned. If there were four sacks of sugar missing and each sack weighed 10 pounds, that meant 40 pounds of sugar was gone. That's an awful lot of sugar to forget about, she thought. Turning to her mother, she said, Maybe thieves are stealing the sugar and other stuff so they can sell it on the black market. Her mother smiled and shook her head. Don't let your imagination run away with you, Molly. It's true that sugar is more valuable now that it's rationed, but our volunteers are all trustworthy. I would never suspect any of them. I'm still hopeful we'll find the missing supplies somewhere. Meanwhile, I need to figure out how we are going to make all those cookies for the canteen on Saturday. As Molly washed and rinsed the dishes, she kept thinking about the missing sugar. She knew that the Red Cross headquarters was often busy with visitors and volunteers, and the storeroom wasn't always locked. Just about anyone could have taken the sugar, she thought. Then she remembered her errand at Greystone Manor and said to her mother, Today, at the hospital, Mrs. Courier asked me to fetch her reading glasses at Greystone Manor. She told me where to find the key. Mrs. Courier says she knows you. Yes. 
We served on the library committee together, said Mrs. McIntyre. Mrs. Currier used to be a very active volunteer, always helping people and running charity projects. I didn't know she was in the hospital. Well, is it all right if I go to her house tomorrow? I mean, it'll be empty and all. Molly looked uncertainly at her mother, who paused a moment, then said, I think you're grown up enough now to do an errand like that, Molly. Unless, of course, you don't want to. I guess I don't mind, said Molly, although that wasn't exactly true. All right, then. You can go after school tomorrow. Just be sure you're home in time for dinner, said Mrs. McIntyre. Untying her apron and hanging it on a hook, Molly stood by the empty sink, a damp dish rag still in her hand. As she thought about going into Greystone Manor by herself, she remembered everything she'd ever heard about spooky old houses. With a shudder, she imagined spiders dangling from the ceiling and mice scurrying through the rooms. There might even be ghosts floating through the rooms at night, moaning softly. No, Molly told herself firmly. I'm not even going to think about ghosts. But as she put away the last cup and turned off the kitchen light, Molly remembered the eerie light she had seen in the cellar of Greystone Manor. Someone, or something, had turned off that light. And if it wasn't a ghost, what was it? The next day, Molly was prepared to beg Emily to go with her to Greystone Manor. So she was very relieved to learn that Emily had been planning to go with her all along. Of course. After school, the girls went home and gave their puppies a quick walk. It was cool and cloudy, and Molly kept hoping for a storm so fierce that she couldn't possibly be expected to go to Greystone Manor. But the sky refused to spill even a drop of rain. After they were done walking the puppies, Molly said, I guess we'd better go. The girls pulled their bikes out of the garage. They pedaled past the park and up Overlook Hill. At the top, they parked their bikes and walked down the long, curving driveway. The house looked even more imposing than Molly had remembered. A dozen dark windows faced the empty lawn. Each window had a flower box, but all the flowers had died long ago. Now, just a few withered vines straggled down the stonework. Molly felt a shiver run up her spine. I've got to be tough, Molly told herself. She pointed to a small two-story building next to the house. Mrs. Courier said that building used to be a stable, but now it's a garage. And that's where she keeps her spare key, she told Emily. The girls walked up to the garage doors. This place has been empty a long time. There could be spiders everywhere. And mice, Molly warned. Emily took a step back, saying, Mice don't really bother me, but I'm not at all fond of spiders. Shall we open the door with a stick and see what's inside? Together, the girls found a long stick and pried open the door. They stood at a safe distance and peered in. Then, Molly ventured inside. It's not too bad in here. Just a few cobwebs. It smells like gasoline, though, she reported to Emily. The old stable was big enough for two cars, but there was only one. An old black Packard covered in dust that looked as if it hadn't been driven in years. Shovels and rakes hung on a row of hooks. Molly searched behind the shovel on the last hook and found an old-fashioned iron key hanging on a length of twine, just as Mrs. Courier had described. Got it, Molly said. The girls hurried out of the garage and over to the front door of the house. Molly inserted the key and jiggled it, and the lock gave way. She twisted the brass doorknob. The door swung open, and Molly and Emily stepped into the house. It sure is dark in here, 
Molly said, as they walked past a book-lined study, a music room with a grand piano, a large parlor with a sofa and a fireplace, and a dining room with a table that looked big enough for 20 people. The house smelled musty. I don't think anyone's been here for quite a long time, said Emily, as the girls began to climb the shadowy staircase. Mrs. Courier said her glasses are in her bedroom, in the top drawer of her writing desk, said Molly. Upstairs, the girls passed a sewing room, a bathroom, a closet that smelled of mothballs, and a room with twin beds but no desk. Finally, Molly opened the door to a spacious room with a canopy bed covered with a blue silk spread. In the corner near the window stood an elegant writing desk. That must be it, said Molly. She went over to the desk and opened the top drawer. Inside was a brown leather case with a pair of wire-rimmed glasses, just as Mrs. Courier had said. Molly put the case into her coat pocket and said, All right, I've got them. Let's go now. The girls were halfway across the room when Molly heard a low engine and the crunching of gravel outside. Emily gasped. What's that? I don't know, Molly whispered back. The sound was getting louder. Molly went to the windows, lifted a corner of the silk curtain and peeked outside. A black truck was driving toward the house. Molly dropped the curtain as if it were on fire and whispered, Someone's coming! A few cobwebs weren't so bad, but what was that noise they just heard? Listen to next week's episode to find out who is secretly visiting Greystone Manor and who gets accused of stealing. Thank you so much for listening to 10 Minute Mysteries. And parents, don't forget to write us a review wherever you are listening. It really helps us out. Parents can watch 10 Minute Mysteries with their family on YouTube or your child can watch on YouTube Kids. Visit AmericanGirl.com and follow at AmericanGirlBrand on Instagram for more updates on your favorite dolls, books, and American Girl Podcast Network podcasts.